By the way, they never report the crowd on January 6th. You know, Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley, you know, they did you know they destroyed all of the information, all of the evidence, everything, deleted and destroyed all of it, all of it, because of lots of things. Like Nikki Haley is in charge of security. We offered her 10,000 people, soldiers. Yes, you heard that correctly. Apparently, Nikki Haley was responsible for securing the Capitol on January 6, 2021, when Trump's own mob ascended onto the Capitol and in a violent insurrection tried to interfere with the certification of the 2020 presidential election. Nikki, Nikki, Nikki. He keeps mentioning Nikki. You know, we hear a lot in the mainstream media about Joe Biden, his age, and possibly his competency. Well, considering his record over the last few years, I'd say Joe Biden is just fine. However, Donald Trump confusing Nikki Haley with Nancy Pelosi, if that's even what happened, is, well, sort of falling apart. Wouldn't you agree? We can all see that the, uh, the man looks like he's melting. Now it appears his brain might be melting as Dementia J really sets in in New Hampshire and straps in for court. Welcome to the Magnolia Media Podcast, part of the Magnolia Media Network. I am your host, Jonathan M. Ruggiero. Well, after that embarrassment, he once again railed about Nikki Haley being responsible for the 10,000 troops he made available to the Capitol because it was or it wasn't an insurrection. It was a violent mob sent by Trump to stop the certification of the 2020 election, or it wasn't. Do Trump supporters who go to these rallies, ever-shrinking rallies, I might, might add, do they ever stop and ask themselves, one plus one doesn't equal two here, much less two plus two equaling four. I mean, the man is so far off in right field, we can't follow him anymore. We're not sure who he's talking about, why or when. We do know this about him from past speeches. He'd rather be electrocuted than to be eaten by a shark. Uh, he's going to debank the banks that are going to debank you. Do you ever look at someone and wonder what is going on inside their head? What the hell does debanked even mean? The man is clearly out of his mind and cannot be allowed anywhere near the Oval Office. Hopefully, the justice system will do its thing and stop him in his tracks. Hopefully, the case in Washington, D.C. with Judge Chutkin can be moved along a little more speedily. We've got the E. Jean Carroll case going on, E. Jean Carroll Part 2, which could levy $150 million in damages against Donald Trump, awarded to E. Jean Carroll. This is the second time around. And remember, this is a man who was found liable of rape, of raping E. Jean Carroll in 1996 at an upscale department store in Manhattan. Think about that for a moment. A woman he mistaked for his wife in a photograph when shown in a deposition. 
And apparently a man who's been taking a lot of cognitive tests. According to him, he recently had a cognitive test and he aced it. He doesn't like to be reminded that he's almost 80 years old. He hears the word 80 and he sort of cringes a little bit inside. Because I think he thinks he's truly going to live forever. Despite the fact his wife won't let him ride in the car with her. That is, on the way home from her mother's funeral. Go back and look at that clip on YouTube when you get a chance. Or you can take my word for it. Either way, it's exactly what happened. Now they tried to play it off as if it was planned all along for Donald Trump to take an entirely different car than his wife. But stop and think for a moment. If Michelle Obama's mother had passed away and the Obamas went together to her funeral, wouldn't Barack and Michelle likely ride home in the same automobile? Versus that nasty scowl we all saw from Melania Trump as she dismissed Don the Con, Dementia J, and he tried to play it off like it was natural and wandered to a second black suburban, crawled, slithered inside, and away they went. Now, on to other matters of the day including that sticky little situation over in the Middle East. According to NPR, Bibi Netanyahu, well, he's in trouble. He's in trouble with his own people. As 78% of Israelis now disapprove of Benjamin Netanyahu, and one that really shocked me, 76% Blame Benjamin Netanyahu for the October 7th attack. Now, that's not to say they blame him for the attack itself, but they blame him for allowing the attack to happen. And it is a good question. How does a Hamas militia make it through that wall into Israel and just rain hell on the people for however long it took before there was a military response. Six hours? Seven hours? Longer? Long enough for 1,251 Israelis to be butchered and enough time for 250 more to be taken hostage. About half of those hostages have been released. But some of them, including American citizens, are still being held in what we understand to be underground tunnels in Gaza. However, indiscriminate bombing isn't getting us anywhere. Another little scary fact about the 2024 election. This time, we don't have Facebook to worry about or misinformation on Twitter, for example. Twitter is a black hole at this point. Thank you for destroying something we enjoyed, Elon. Oh, you see this guy? See this guy? Apparently, Democrats had been getting AI calls from Joe Biden telling them not to bother voting in the writing campaign that's taking place in New Hampshire. See, New Hampshire's upset that because it's, what, 97 or 98% white and therefore doesn't really show off the 
diversity of the United States. It's been relegated to later in the election season by the Democratic Party. There's no reason for a state like Iowa and a state like New Hampshire to go first in the caucuses or primaries for an election season for president of the United States when both states have a 95 plus percent white population. So they kept him off the ballot. Therefore, you have to write in his name. Well, with these AI-generated calls that sound like they're coming from the voice of the President of the United States, telling people not to go vote and to save their vote for November, well, let's just say it's a scary sign of things to come. Well, we can only hope that Donald Trump does, in fact, lose in November because for all of those progressives out there, who are concerned with the plight of the Palestinians, those protesting on behalf of the Palestinians, those who are upset at President Biden for not taking a hard enough line in defending Palestinians. And remember, it was Hamas who started this war, and it is Hamas who's using its own people as human shields against the indiscriminate bombing, trying to get sympathy on their side internationally, and it's worked. In our last podcast, we talked about the International Criminal Court and South Africa charging Israel with genocide. So, to that extent, I guess it's a victory for Hamas in a sick and very twisted way. 85% of all structures now destroyed on the Gaza Strip. And that brings us back to primary day. It's primary day for the Republican Party. Nikki Haley is the last man, woman standing in this race, facing off against Donald Trump. She's the hope and prayer of all those Republicans who want to actually win an election for a change. She polls well there, and New Hampshire Republicans are a different type of Republican than those in Iowa. However, polling well means coming within like 15 points of Donald Trump. At the time of this recording, we're still waiting. We really have no idea what's going to happen. But as polls suggest, and they're usually only off by 5 to 10 points, Trump has somewhere around a 15-point lead. It is really nothing more than an industry. I mean, we go back and look at Wisconsin just this past year. They had Judge Protasewicz losing that Supreme Court uh, Chief Justice seat in the Wisconsin State Supreme Court. They had her losing by two or three points, and she won that race by ten points. It creates lazy journalism because suddenly you cut, copy, and paste a poll done the day before and it's all the rage the next day. It's all anybody can talk about. Oh, Biden's losing by a point in Pennsylvania. Well, fortunately for the polling companies, that falls within their margin of error, which is 3, 4, 5, 7%. I mean, does it need to be extended to 10 or 12? When was the last time any of these polls were actually right? Now they'll say, well, we were within 2%, so that makes us correct. Look, it's up or down. 
Who's going to win? We look to you for predictors. And it's no predictor at all. Here's a prediction. When the American people are truly faced with losing their democracy altogether or having a nice, steady recovery from COVID, having a booming economy, seeing inflation come down at twice the rate in which it went up, and seeing a president handle his business and the American people's business on the international stage, I think they'll make the right choice as far as the Democratic coalition supposedly falling apart, I really don't know what to say about that. Yes, young progressives and people of color are a little disenchanted with President Biden. They don't like his age. They don't like his handling of the Israeli-Hamas situation. They don't like this. They don't like that. Well, you have to understand, it's not like he's getting any help from Republicans and we still have this Jim Crow era filibuster, which without 10 Republican votes means nothing gets passed. Here it is, plain and simple. Republicans love chaos on the border. It gives them something to complain about. If they actually cared about doing something about the border, they would have done it. It has been 30 years since there have been any changes to immigration laws in this country. But over those 30 years, I can't think of a single day or a single interview done by any major Republican candidate for office that hasn't included some sort of complaint about the border. So make up your minds. Do you want more funding for the border? You want more drones for the border? You want more manpower for the border? Do you want immigration at all? What about all those farmers in Iowa who are rushing out to vote Republican while those same Republicans are promising to essentially close the southern border, cutting off all of those employees that they rely upon to harvest their crops, to do all of that backbreaking labor, to work in meatpacking houses and on kill floors? Yes, that's what they're called, kill floors. Next time you have a stake, think about that. As the 2024 election continues to heat up, now we have AI to worry about. So make sure when you get those calls that they actually make sense and vet everything. Trust nothing. Make sure you're getting your information from a good source because truth doesn't seem to matter anymore. Except inside courtrooms where Donald Trump is learning the hard way that facts matter. Judge Ingeron could drop the hammer at any moment. We're awaiting his answer to the civil fraud trial brought by New York State Attorney General Letitia James. Of course, a default judgment was granted on day one of that trial that said, yes, Donald Trump did indeed take part in civil fraud he lied to banks, insurance companies, and the state. And therefore, charges were brought. And disgorgement is going to happen. The question is, how much? Now, we know the Attorney General's office is asking for $370 million. 
and I talked about just how wealthy you have to be to have $370 million lying around to pay the state of New York. And E. Jean Carroll, who won $5 million already and now is getting a second bite at the apple because Donald Trump just can't help himself. He just can't shut up. And he walked right into it again. And let's not forget, there's still going to be an E. Jean Carroll 3 at some point because he defamed her one day after being found guilty of defaming her and sexually abusing her. Now, in New York state law, in order for it to be rape, there has to be uh, insertion of the... And because this was with a finger and not a... It's called aggravated sexual assault. But the judge in this particular case made it very clear that... It is tantamount to rape. I want Republican voters, especially maggots, to step back for a moment and think. You are voting for a man who has been found civilly liable for rape. I mean, is it really true that he could just shoot someone on Fifth Avenue and he would go up in the polls? And I, I, another one I absolutely love, this also from NPR, Jason Miller. Remember Jason Miller, the guy who looks like he'd pop if you, you know, poked him with a needle? Kind of has that hot air balloon thing going on. He says that, uh, he claims, Trump has expanded the Republican base. Is this some sort of freaking joke? Expanded the base? He's doubled down on hatred. He's made it clear that he's not just against immigrants who are currently crossing the border, but immigrants who've been here for a while. Legal immigrants, in other words. I'm, he's going further and further and further. And oh, Jason, just a quick reminder of the last six years. Donald Trump's cost you the House in 2018. In 2020, he cost you the White House in 2022, what was supposed to be a red wave turned into a red ripple as Republicans took, I think, a five-seat majority in the House and actually lost ground in the Senate as Democrats picked up one more seat to add to their majority. That, of course, was Senator John Fetterman in Pennsylvania running against Dr. Crudite. Oh, I'm sorry, Dr. Oz. If we all remember the crudite ad, where well, it's basically a fancy word for a vegetable tray. And Dr. Oz tried to make it sound like a crudite tray would cost you $250. Insane. And these TV show hosts or former running backs just aren't getting the job done, are they, Donnie? And, oh, Jason, by the way, not a single one of Trump's candidates who weren't already in office won an election in 2022. Handpicked people who pledged allegiance to him and people he campaigned alongside. Herschel Walker didn't win. Carrie Lake didn't win. Lauren Boebert 
in a plus nine Republican district that is mostly Colorado Springs, Colorado, came just under 600 votes from being thrown out of office for a Democrat named Adam Frisch. So, with the retirement of Ken Buck, she's decided to run in the Colorado 4th, a plus 27 Republican district. So, good news, theater goers. Lauren Boebert's going to be around for another two years. That is, if a Democrat doesn't really surprise everyone and take her out, even in a Republican plus 27 district in the Colorado 4th. Of course, we remember the theater incident, right? The breast groping, the stroking, the vaping in a live theater, even when being asked to stop by the people around her. And then using the, do you know who I am line on the security officers as they were escorted from the theater. I'll say this much for Lauren. She's a heck of a first date. And in further news, CBS News is seeming to suggest that Republicans have been given a deadline, a deadline by which to full-throated support Donald Trump or else. So does is Trump's stochastic terrorism beginning to spread within the Republican Party itself? Is he starting to go after Republicans who don't endorse or support him quickly enough? Could that possibly be right? So if you don't rush to Trump's aid now and kiss the ring, you could be in for trouble somehow? Huh. All of this seems quite confusing, but when you look at recent evidence, like Ron DeSantis' second-place finish ahead of Nikki Haley, who's still in the race for the Republican nomination, and his dropping out less than one week later, this past Sunday, and Vivek Ramaswamy, who did have a rather pathetic showing in Iowa, dropping out immediately and then running to kiss the ring. And oh, Tim Scott, wasn't he just running against Donald Trump for the Republican nomination? Boy, he sure has come out in full throw to support. Tim Scott, who plays a very special role in the Republican Party the American fascist party of today. But back to Trump's record. It's loser, 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 loser. And now Republicans want to do it again. They stand to lose the House by a landslide. I mean, federal court cases have created new Democratic districts in heavily gerrymandered states like Alabama, like Louisiana, We've got at least six of those seats that are being corrected in New York State after uh, a default map had to be used last time around that will flip the House by itself. And at this rate, with Republicans retiring, fleeing for the hills, or being kicked out like George Santos. Remember George Santos? Doesn't that seem like forever ago? George Santos, who literally lied about everything that ever happened in his entire life.
from his parents dying in 9-11 to his grandparents dying in the Holocaust when he's of Cuban descent while he claimed to be Jewish. Maybe someone could have called him out on that when he, you know, has the last name Santos. Not Goldstein. Santos. Later saying he was Jew-ish, as if it was two separate words, meaning Jew-like, because he was a Catholic from Long Island, making him somehow akin to the Jewish people? Not exactly sure. He also supposedly worked for Goldman Sachs, graduated from an Ivy League college, which he never attended, and a company companies for which he never worked. There's also all of that fraud. He stole credit card information from people who gave money to his campaign. What do you want to bet that district, which is a tightly contested district, flips back Democrat in a hurry? Well, I'm willing to place my bets on the fact that it will. Now, back to this death pact Republicans have to sign with the Darth Vader of their party. Donald Trump seems to be elbowing, pushing, maybe even outright threatening Republicans who don't fall in line with him as soon as possible or else. Daddy, chill. Well, with them, I'm assuming he won't send a violent mob to their house or dox them or any of that. Instead, I assume these threats are about primary challenges. Given his track record as of late, I would welcome those primary challenges. I mean, it's not like his candidates are hitting it out of the park. The more Donald Trump candidates, the better, it would seem to me, especially in House races. They've been getting wiped out. Again, we can reference Lauren Boebert in that plus nine Republican district. We can talk about Carrie Lake losing the governor's race in Arizona, the birthplace of the modern Republican movement, that at least a movement up until Trump, which was completely derailed. And one man's ambition to mostly stay out of prison and to find some way to fund his lifestyle because he has a financial monitor watching his bank accounts awaiting Judge Angeron's hammer, which could be a $370 million disgorgement by the state of New York, and banning him from ever running a real estate business in the state of New York again. When we talk about New York and Trump being brought up on charges in New York, we have to remember this. Donald Trump is from New York. He's not from Florida. When we say a jury of your peers, we're talking about the people in your area. Donald Trump is a proud New Yorker when it's convenient. The rest of the time, he's hiding away in Mar-a-Lardo. I mean, Mar-a-Lago in his fake Oval Office he's built down there and his $1.5 billion Golf course that's actually only worth $18 million, according to him. $21 million on the upside. A $1.5 billion golf course because 
the Saudis would give him that much for it if he asked the Saudis to buy it? Why would they do that, Donald? Did you run cover for the Saudis? While you were in office? Maybe you stuck your son-in-law in there? And didn't your son-in-law get a $2 billion advance for his newly founded hedge fund because he's such a great financial planner that the crown prince and his financial advisors told him, no, please, crown prince, don't throw this money away. And he gave $2 billion to Jared Kushner anyway. Could that have something to do with running cover for the dismemberment of American citizen Jamal Khashoggi and his murder in a Turkish embassy when he was taken apart with a bone saw? Donald Trump, you know, he just loves these people. He talks about his bromance with North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un. He constantly references Viktor Orban, one of the weakest men in the world, ahead of any government anyway. Remember this, when he talks about how powerful and how amazing and perfect Viktor Orban is, Viktor Orban manages an economy whose GDP is $180 billion a year. Now, those are, say, second quarter profits for a company like Microsoft. That's not a country's GDP. And oh, inflation is 20%, while in the United States, it's 3.1%. And our GDP is approaching $30 trillion a year. So, given a choice between Viktor Orban and his hatred of everything from the gay community to migrants, I'd still much rather have the Joe Biden economy and Bidenomics, which, you know, is from the bottom up and the middle out instead of trickle down, which has led to the creation of people like Elon Musk being able to grab $249 billion and garner the kind of control he's been able to garner, including including inserting himself into the conflict in Ukraine. I mean, this is outrageous. And yes, stock buybacks should be illegal. Remember, stock buybacks were illegal until 1982. That was sort of the final nail in the coffin for labor, when suddenly there was no more reason to dump any money back into a well-funded company. There was no more reason to give anyone a raise because you could just use all of that extra money to buy more of your own stock back and push the price of the stock up and then one day cash it out. We've created an entire industry of billionaires who do nothing but recycle money instead of putting it back out. So trickle down was really trickle up as the middle class began to shrink, as people feel less secure about their economic future going forward. I know this. It terrifies me to think that Donald Trump could get anywhere near the Oval Office. And concerns have been raised, and some of them are legitimate, about the fracturing 
of the coalition that got Joe Biden into office in 2020. Young voters are upset with him over Palestine. I mentioned that before. People of color feel like he hasn't done enough. Keep this in mind. When he passed the infrastructure, the bipartisan infrastructure bill, Joe Biden had in there a $15 an hour minimum wage. Now, I personally believe that minimum wage, except for the least expensive areas of the United States, should be over $20 an hour, somewhere between $23 and $25 an hour, so we can return dignity to work. If you work 40 hours a week in the United States of America, you should be able to afford a home. You should be able to afford transportation. You should be able to afford to take care of your children. Even if we'd have been able to get the child tax credit in any of those bills, instead of letting it expire, believe me, with the right number of Democrats in the Senate, Democratic control of the House, and Joseph Robinette Biden in the White House for four more years, that's exactly what we would get. We would get those $300 or $500 a month per child payments out to parents for child care so that they can re-enter the workforce. And this has been a big complaint across the board. But as far as a fracturing of the base is concerned, those people are voters. And ultimately, at the end of the day, they have to realize how much worse life would be for the people of Gaza. How much worse the economy, which right now is actually in pretty good shape, but how quickly it would collapse under Donald Trump. And oh, let's not forget the 1.1 million Americans who died of the deadly COVID pandemic. 1.1 million. If in November of 2019, Donald Trump had taken serious action against this epidemic that was popping up in China, the way, say, Barack Obama did when it was H1N1 or Ebola, that we could have somehow kept those numbers down, perhaps in certain areas there would have been COVID outbreaks in the United States. Do we honestly believe that under competent leadership, 1.1 million Americans would have died? More than double the number of veterans who died in World War II died under Trump's watch the first time around. Do you really want to roll the dice to see if you survive Trump part two? Well, I certainly don't. Because this time, he's promised to do nothing but be that vengeful, Old Testament-style president, if you get what I'm saying. This man is a son of a witch. There's absolutely no two ways about it. And as far as the coalition needed for Joe Biden, I believe it's going to be there. I believe that young people see this is the most progressive president we have seen in our lifetimes. All of that money spent toward climate change or put toward climate change, promoting electric vehicles, promoting renewable energy resources, Republicans and oil companies be damned. Now, Joe Manchin, 
a Democrat from West Virginia who will be gone soon and whose seat will need to be replaced by a Democrat, not in West Virginia, but perhaps somewhere else throughout the United States, had to have his little pipeline deal in there, a little self-dealing, if you will, by the senator from West Virginia. But it was still a huge success for the current president of the United States. I say let's continue to move forward. Instead of taking freedoms away, let's expand them. Let's expand freedom by bringing the child tax credit back and erasing 50% of child hunger in this country overnight, the way it did the first time it went into effect. Let's make it permanent. Let's get that minimum wage up to, let's say, $22, $23 an hour. I mean, 15 would be a good start. And that was what President Biden fought for. Of course, we have soon-to-be former Arizona Senator Kirsten Sinema and her little leg kick to thank for shooting that one down. But Ruben Gallego is going to make a fine senator from Arizona. So we have that one covered. But we have to defend our majorities so that our president, when reelected, can do his job and do it well. So I say this to the New York Times, instead of focusing on doom and gloom, instead of one bad thing after another or focusing on his age or letting people like Maureen Dowd write articles, by the way, Maureen Dowd writing her article about Joe Biden's age is 72 years old. And no, 72 is not too old to be a writer for a newspaper. And 85 is not too old to be president of the United States. It's about competency. So when you have one candidate who, by the way, is almost 78 years old, who thinks Nikki Haley was Speaker of the House or somehow in charge of capital defense when her job title when she did work in the Trump administration was ambassador to the United Nations, which has nothing to do with defending the Capitol. That means most of the time she wasn't even in Washington, D.C. She left in 2018. So more than two years had gone by since she had exited the administration. And we all know those 10,000 troops were never coming especially when the MAGA crowd, the QAnon crowd, had showed up there at Donald Trump's behest and his request. On January 5th, he wrote, on January 6th, come to the Capitol, will be wild. And boy, it certainly was. One last thought. We have to kill the filibuster. That is why it's so important Democrats keep the Senate and that we keep Joe Biden in the White House, because we will see real and meaningful change in this country when the Jim Crow era law to steal rights from uh, black Americans. I am certainly not old enough to remember the Jim Crow era, but remnants of the Jim Crow era were all around me as a child. We saw it. It has to go.
the filibuster has to go because Republicans are incompetent. Republicans are in bed with a want-to-be authoritarian dictator. Republicans have turned into the party of American fascism. And if this were the 1930s, if not for Hitler, that is exactly the name they would use. While they call us Marxists and communists and fascists, which is always thrown in there at the very end. Remember, it's Republican projection. It's what they do. It's the Donald Trump way. From all of us here at the Magnolia Media Network, I want to thank you for listening in to yet another episode. Special thanks to our engineer and producer for this episode, Logan Ramsey. We'd also like to thank Courtney Halstead for her technical support. Until next time, be well.